Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, listeners. You are live with Apostle John L. Solomon, the lion among lions in the lion's den. It is my purpose today to bring you strength. Strength from the lion's den is a compelling talk show that discusses life's difficult situations through relevant topics, important issues, and empowerment from a biblical perspective. The lion's den will bring you the energy of encouragement transcendent godly wisdom, the efficacy of knowledge and education, and primarily strength to the weary in life from the sourcehood of our connection with our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want you to do right now is roar for your victory, roar for your power, roar for your prosperity, roar for your deliverance, and roar for your strength. Listen, tonight's topic is about education. I saw an interview today about a young man who got to college on an athletic scholarship and he couldn't read or therefore distinguish himself academically on the same level as his peers, which found him questioning his public school experience. My panelists of teachers who are on the front lines will discuss with me public education, what is missing and what are we missing. My, t- my guest today, my first guest, was born and raised in Macon, Georgia. She is a five-year teacher and received her bachelor's degree in middle grades education with a major in mathematics and a minor in English language arts. My God. She is gifted, certified, and certified in mathematics and social studies. She is a master violinist and will earn her master's degree in curriculum and instruction in May from Georgia Southern. She is a passionate and dedicated to the growth of all youth. She is the daughter of my wife, Lisa Solomon, as well as my bright and shiny star, the remarkable Miss Daphne Coleman. Miss Coleman, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yours. Listen, all right. Now, my, my next guest, of course, needs an introduction. She's a native of Macon who celebrated the release of her 10th book, Kiss and Tell, during the hot summer of 2016. Her previous titles include the critically acclaimed Flaw series, Flaws and All, Flawless, Flawfully Wedded Wives, and Flawbulous, a memoir, a memoir note to self, the diary, of a divorcee and and Georgia author of the year award for best fiction nominated first comes love. She was nominated for her first book flaws and all 
The best-selling author is a book club favorite and has earned the spot of several annual best book of the year list. She is also the founder of the Writer's Voice, which assists aspiring writers in their pursuit of getting published. She is a highly sought-after speaker, moderator, and expert panelist. I agree. In addition to being an author, she is a college instructor where she shares the gift of writing and uses it to inspire the next generation. She was a program director for Virginia College as well as a high school English teacher which makes a cumulative teaching career of 17 years. She's a mother of two sons, and when she isn't parenting, writing, or teaching, she can be found reading, dancing, traveling, living life, or empowering her fan base. The vivacious Miss Shannon Burton Johnson. Shannon, thank you for being here tonight. Hey, John, I'm sorry letting you write all my, um, <laughs> my introduction. You, you, you hey. do it every time. Thank you. Hey, y'all, are, y'all are some amazing people. I love my guests. Now, now my my fi- my final guest. She she's uh she I learned so much from this lady. She she's from she hails from Gary, Indiana. Graduated from Hampton University in 1977 with a degree in music. Opting, however, to follow in her mother's footsteps, she decided to concentrate on teaching middle and high school math, which she has done for the last 33 years in several different schools. Her dedication and support of her students and co-workers earned her the Teacher of the Year Award in 2007. I know I voted for her that year. Last, last year, she received her 30-year service badge. Her dedication and compassion for her students can be seen each day as she strives to instill in her students the principles of math and good citizenship. Several years ago, she was asked to do a TV segment on an education channel in which students and parents could tune in and receive help in math. She lives in Newport News, Virginia, and is married to Sherman Brown, who is also who is a professor of architect at Hampton University. And they have one daughter, Stephanie, who makes them proud as a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley and four grandchildren. Teaching is her passion. And she says, and I quote, when you enjoy what you're doing, it's not work. I can, tru- I can truly say God broke the mold when he created this woman, the one and only all-encompassing Miss Burl Massey Brown. Miss Massey Brown, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's an honor for me to oh, be man. here. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to dive right in. I'm going to start with uh, you, Miss Coleman. I want to know what inspired you to become a teacher and what is your personal golden rule for teaching? Well, um, in my early years, my fourth grade teacher, uh, her name was Mrs. Doss, Mm -hmm. she is the one that inspired me to start teaching. And it was just to see her passion. A lot of times students cannot see if you're, you know, they, they can pick up on if you're really passionate about your profession or if you're just kind mm-hmm. of there. And she was really, really involved, hands-on. She had those out-of-the-box techniques to encourage all of us. She was mm-hmm. so much of an encourager. And um, my golden rule for teaching is to mm-hmm. always make sure that you make connections and ensure that teaching is truly your passion. So right. it's always about making those relationships because a lot of times we have so many things under our belt that we forget that the connection is the key. Okay. Very, very good. Uh, Ms. Burton Johnson, what inspired you to become a teacher and what's your personal golden rule for teaching? Um, well, what inspired me, you know, a lot of people, you know, find teaching a lot of times teaching finds you. 
Um, I started mm-hmm. out as an English major in college, and I wanted to write for a newspaper or magazine, that type thing. But um, when you get pregnant your freshman year in college, your mother tells you you're going to be a teacher because mm-hmm. she's not going to watch you. <laughs> so I kind of fell into it as a result of, you know, having a child, knowing that mm-hmm. I needed to be in a situation where I was out with my child when he had vacation, I was out, I couldn't work crazy hours. And mm-hmm. so, it, you know, it, it started out as a, a con- profession of convenience, really. But, you know, having been in it 17 years, you know, you can't, teaching is not for the faint-hearted, and you mm-hmm. can't stay in it, you know, this long without eventually coming to love what you do. And so, you know, Okay. I always loved English, but once I started teaching it and began to be able to get that love with other people, I mm-hmm. started to fall in love with the profession itself. Um, but mm-hmm. my my philosophy or my golden rule is a lot like Daphne's, especially with dealing with at risk or inner city students. They have you have to have those relationships with them, and they have to know that you're that you care and you're not just there for your check. So I, I'm a big relationship person, and making each one of my students feel special. I have a a relationship with every student, and, and mm-hmm. it's you know, and it, no child is you know is treated the same in my class. Okay. Everybody's individual, and so just mm-hmm. letting them know that you care goes a long very way. Right. All right, very good, Miss Maxie Brown. I'm gonna toss this question to you. The same question? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The same question. What inspired you to become a teacher? Yeah, and your personal golden rule. One that was named Dorothy Ford, my sixth grade uh, math teacher in Gary, Indiana. She would only mm-hmm. accept our best, and she always made sure we gave the best. And the other one was my mentor, my mother, Mrs. Olivia Massey, who taught for 39 years. And to see how she interacted with her kids or kids she saw years later to come, I mm-hmm. that inspired me to be wanted to become a teacher. Okay. After 33 years, you have to love it. You just can't right. get it by <laughs> loving that job. And mm-hmm. my golden rule is basically for my students, your practice will determine your performance. And if you don't practice the math, it's going to show up in your performance. And I always tell my students, I can tell when the Dallas Cowboys are practicing. They come out with <laughs> special Mm-hmm. Wow. I can tell mm-hmm. when they haven't practiced, it shows up in their performance, when they're jumping off sides, when uh-huh. they're fumbling. So if you're practicing, that's going to show your performance. And then everybody's going to want to be around you when you do that sounding performance. Wow, that's amazing. Ms. Massey Brown is also the number one Dallas Cowboy fans. We, we, we love our team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna go to the next question. Um, listen, uh, J. M. Edens Jr. for the Washington Post in his January 11, 2016 education column, he said, "Letting students sink doesn't teach them to swim." A review of Richard DeFores in praise of American educators and how they can become even better. J. Matthews suggested that Army basic training should be a general mode for effective education. Do you agree or do you disagree, Ms. Massey Brown? I agree with that because it gives them a guideline. Mm-hmm. And our students need to have that guideline. They need to have that structure 
that need to be able to know what they're going to be doing one day to the next day to the 15th day to the 100th day. And if they don't have the structure, that's where they start bird walking. That's where they go off of the track, and then it's hard to bring them back. Yes, I would agree with the Army basic training because you see what your project is going to start off with. So by the time you roll to the end, hey, mm-hmm. you got that shining star. All right, you got that discipline. What about you, uh, Ms. Burton Johnson, Shayna? Um, and it's Johnson, it's Johnson Burton. Uh, oh, you know, my 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 producer, my 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 producer. Uh, you know, you know. Okay, my producer. Okay. But for me, I I do while I do think it's important for students to have that structure. Mm-hmm. I also think that with the boot camp concept, everybody is pretty much treated the same way. And I don't think that, especially today's child, that you can treat every student the same way. The the students that we get now come with so many different needs. They're on so many different levels. If Mm -hmm. you don't tap into what interests that student, a lot of times you're going to lose the student. So I, I do think that um, education needs to be a little more individualized and catered to the student's individuality and their strengths as opposed to trying to make everybody conform to do the same thing. Okay, I got you. And I'm just uh, speaking as a person who stayed in trouble in school because I never, mm-hmm. I had such a vivid imagination and mm-hmm. I was always off writing in my head somewhere and it was just hard for me to kind of follow that structure of a regular classroom. So I so mm-hmm. for me I think that boot camp will work for some, but a lot of kids they need to kinda of have some freedom and need to be able to be an individual. Okay, I see. Uh Miss Coleman, where do you stand on that? Um yes, I kind of agree with that last statement, um, because every child is different because we you know, one of the things we pry on in Georgia is differentiation. So, you know, if you want differentiation, you have to approach things in different ways and styles because all children are not going to respond to an Army-based training the same way. You're going to have some students that may lash out or some students that may cooperate. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're going to have to be prepared to deal with the consequences. But, however, I do feel that a good structure structured school that has effective teaching has goals and objectives and morals and standards that are clear and should be made clear daily um, but mm-hmm. not to the effect of a army basic training type style mm-hmm. that shouldn't okay. be a general model it should never mm-hmm. be a general model because it, it's, you need to find something that would, that would incorporate everyone as a unit mm-hmm. instead of just making someone you know, tied to a certain concept because everybody's not going to react the same way. So we want to individualize, but we do need the discipline and structure, correct? Yes, right. Absolutely. All right, well, look look where the time goes. We're going to take a break right quick, and then we'll be right back as we uh, hear from our identifiers, our producers. All right, so hold on. Stay with me tonight. Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. 
Advertise with WIN to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right, $150 per commercial. We Inspire Network Radio is a new and rapidly growing online radio network that boasts of dynamic seasoned show hosts who are drawing audiences from across the nation and abroad. Africa, Australia, Scotland, Canada, just to name a few. We also have the technical capabilities to advertise your products and services through sound bites, slideshows, and more. No long-term contracts. You pay per show. Advertise on WIN, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us, 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org. All right, we are back. I'm Apostle John L. Solomon, and you're tuned in to Strength from the Lion's Den. We are powered by We Inspire Network Radio. I'm partnering with some good people that want us to win. I want to thank everyone who's listening in tonight. I want you to know you're very important, so stay with us. we got a, a good discussion going tonight. Listen, I want you to hear a clip. I'm, I've been trying to hold the clip. No, no, hold, hold it. Okay, I'm going to hold the clip. you you got to hear it. It's one of my favorites, but we'll, we'll get back to the clip after a while. Let's end the lines in today. My special guest, Ms. Daphne, Daphne Coleman. Ms. Shana, uh, help me, Shana. John. Johnson Burton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Johnson Burton and Ms. Burrell Massey Brown. Thank y'all again. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and direct this next question. I'm going to start with you, Ms. Massey Brown. Listen, uh, current policy discussions about teaching focus almost entirely on what teachers know and the content that they deliver. Reformers and policymakers talk endlessly about how to recruit teachers with higher GPAs, but some don't uh, talk about or know about relationships in that matter in the classroom. Which would you say matters most, that today's teachers have strong academic backgrounds or that they can relate to the young people whom they teach? We have to relate to our young people. If someone is coming in the classroom angry, my 4.0 grade point average is not going to help that young child. We need to find and understand what's going on. Why are they coming in angry? Why are they coming in not wanting to do anything? We have to be able to understand it and then find a way to work around that problem so they can still be successful in the classroom. If they are hungry, I don't care how many times I flip over and we're doing transitions uh, transformations, they're not going to get it because they're hungry. So we need to find something that we can give them to eat. It is a small snack that just to hold them over to lunch. But we have to understand the kid's coming in sleeping all the time. Well, mm-hmm. why is he sleeping? His community he's living in? Uh, are they fighting in the mm-hmm. home? Does he have to share a bed with someone? So we have to be able to relate to them. That way they know we care about them. And we're trying to understand to help them to be successful. Wow, that's good. Uh, what about you, Ms. Coleman? Um, yes, I I always say that your GPA cannot help you <laughs> as a teacher because you, I mean, our profession is different from being a doctor or a lawyer. You can't just depend on your education to push you through like like she has stated, we have children from 
several backgrounds, depending on, you know, the communities in which you teach. I think that a lot of teachers would benefit from, you know, teaching in several environments. But if you have a teacher who comes from a suburban background in an urban environment, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're going to find it very hard to adapt. So that's why it ties into that first question, being able to have those relationships with your students, you have to be able to communicate with your students and know your students and know their backgrounds because your students are more than a file. You have to tie into into their, not only their intellect, but their social life as well because that makes such a dramatic impact. So honestly, one, one of them does not outweigh the other because both of those characteristics depend on each other. So your GPA and your uh, relationships go together, are you saying? Oh, yes, but mm-hmm. and then also, you know, as a teacher, you're going you're gonna to have to rely on experience as well. You learn you learn as you go because um, you have to learn the curriculum and you have to make sure that you understand the standards and you know how to break mm-hmm. it down because we have, we, we have to meet the state standards. It's not okay. like we can just choose what we want to teach. So you have to make sure that you know and understand the curriculum first. Because okay. even right. that doesn't even tie into, you know, what you learn at your university. You're still going to have to learn the profession itself, and that doesn't come from school. Okay. Well, all right, Ms. Sandra, do you think your academic background or being able to relate uh, has more bearing? Well, well I'm going to say it like this. My father is probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. And Mm -hmm. he was the absolute worst tutor and worst person to help me with my homework. Mm -hmm. And and he 4.0 GPA. But I think when you have somebody who is so just cerebral like that and so smart, and this this will be his frustration with me, he couldn't understand why I didn't get it. And I think and I think even statistically, B and C students make better teachers because they can understand that struggle that the students are going through. They can break down the steps mm-hmm. better so that the students can understand. So while I think it's extremely important to be an expert in your content, like Daphne was saying, you have to know how to explain it. You have to know how to differentiate. You have to ultimately be able to help those mm-hmm. students meet those standards because that's what, that's what you're getting paid to do. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I don't think that that content knowledge is the end all be all. You still mm-hmm. have to have a personality. You still have to be able to relate to your students, and you still have to be able to break it down in a way they can clearly understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I, I like I like discipline, and but here here I understand the individualization of it because I've seen some very uh, condescending teachers who have very high GPA, you know, and they mm-hmm. and they complain about the kids not getting it, but then at some point you got to come down and be able to relate to their level. Okay, but we'll, we'll yeah we'll move on. Uh, Shana, while I got you, what what do you recall as a transitional moment in your life that stabilized you as a teacher? Um, probably during my second or third year teaching, I had a student who was um, just could be a terror in class, 
had failed so many courses. And this, at this time, I was teaching a repeater English class, so all of them had failed the class that I was teaching. But this particular student was, like, failing everything and um, and would act out in class and all of that. But once I started talking to him and making him feel like a part of the class, I always try to create a family environment with my students. And once he felt safe in that environment and once he felt like he belonged, just seeing how he uh, just transformed. I think he ended up getting like a B out of my class. And I don't have an easy class. Uh, But it was just a matter of him needing to feel like he mattered. And to me, that just really showed me the power that we have as educators. And I think a lot of times we're with those kids and we can have a bigger impact on them than their parents sometimes. So Mm -hmm. that was definitely, you know, a transformational moment for me. Dun, 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 the power of an educator. I, li- I like that. I could, we can put that in. We can put that as a sitcom. Miss Massey Brown, what was one? Of, what would you say is your transitional moment uh, that stabilized you as a, a teacher? Well, my first two years in teaching, I was crossing the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, okay. and I had to pay nine dollars each way, which was a total of eighteen dollars. And I would go over to the north, uh, the eastern shore. And mm-hmm. we still had students back in 1984 when I first started teaching, having outdoor bathrooms. Well, Miss Mess Brown, that's that's eighteen dollars a day, five days a week. Yes. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. And to see these children being hungry. They wanted mm-hmm. to learn. And the amazing part to them was I was crossing that Bay Bridge every day mm-hmm. to come over and share my knowledge with them. And they were just hungry. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. And this was at a mm-hmm. high school now, not um, okay. middle school or elementary. It was a high school that this lady would come. Even when we they closed the Bay Bridge down from the heavy winds or the uh, storms, I would make a way to get to North Hampton High School to help those students. And I'm like, like she said, we have the power that we can influence these kids. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what God has put in my life to help me, to help children to want to learn and just be hungry. And so that's what has kept me into the education field, the ones that are hungry, the ones that really want to learn, the ones Mm -hmm, that come back mm -hmm. and say, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. They, they, do, they do make us want to stay. What about you, uh, Ms. Coleman? <laughs> uh, well, in my second year of teaching, um, of course, the second year and the first year, or well, years one through five, which I'm in five, year five right now, are the toughest. Hmm. And, um, so so, so it's been one, year, one long transitional moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. it was just—it was so much going on, it, you know. It was—I—I I was still trying to find myself in my profession, and okay. you know, I started to feel myself getting frustrated and overwhelmed, and you know, at a crossroads. And um, I had one of my students write me a two-page letter thanking me for, you know, still sticking with them because at the time. We had lost several educators, okay. and, um, you know, the kids were starting to feel a little neglected, and um, I just got this letter from this child 
uh, she started telling me, because she shared the fact that she was coming from a broken home and what happened, um, mm-hmm. abuse and everything like that. And she just told me that the comfort of the classroom environment and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the care that I have and how I was like her second mother really has helped her get through the year. And at that moment when I was reading that, I mean, that really meant a lot to me because I did not even know or realize the impact that I had on these students. Because it's just, and it's so much because it's like, even though I was going through things Mm -hmm. with myself and just trying to figure out, okay, do I really need to be here? I had to to stop and remember why I chose the profession. And it's for wow. the kids, for the children. And I teach middle school, so that's okay. a really trying period for those kids. Mm-hmm. They're confused, their hormones all up in the area. Yeah. They're just they're all out of way. So, uh, uh, so you're right. You know, it, it, yeah, it, it takes it takes special person to teach, but teach middle school. I mean, that's it takes a special one. So getting that comfort from that child, and, and mind you, this is a child that, you know, she really came from a rough background. Her mm-hmm. her grades were not up to par, but, like, you know, like I say, you, your grades can't really define who you are because mm-hmm. we, we, we can't just determine a child by a grade or a milestone score or whatever. But... um. I mean, just just getting that letter that really stabilized me okay. and helped, to, helped me to remember why I chose the profession I chose. Well, that's amazing. You just go back to the power of a teacher being a, a professional ISS uh, teacher. I when I get ten kids who've disrupted the classroom and I watch them come in and they're all amped up, I can imagine trying to instruct with them in the room, you know, so right. I, you have to give your hat, you have to take your hats off to how you manage your classroom. But you know what? I got to put a pin in it and leave that right there and uh, go for a break and with our, our producers. So, you know, th- this is good. I thank y'all for tuning in to Strength from the Lions Den. Stay right with me. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Minister Lloyd Bell Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio. God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt shows that cater to the needs and wants of our growing listener base. Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected. Join us here every week where together, through God, we win. All right. And we are back. This is Apostle John L. Solomon. You're tuned in to Strength from the Lion's Den. We're powered by We Inspire Network Radio. We just want you to win. Listen, you can get a free copy of my book, The Power Keys, Life of Wisdom Series, Volume 1. It gives you wisdom for life. Just go to my Facebook page, Apostle John L. Solomon. Give me a valid email address, and I will send you my Power Keys in ebook format. Listen, in the Lion's Den today, my special guest, Ms. Daphne Coleman, Ms. Shana Johnson Burton. 
Did I say it right? You got it that time. All right. And this Burl <laughs> Maxie Brown. Hey, I'm so glad to have you out here. Listen, I want to play this clip for y'all. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies, maybe some of yours, because I actually met this man, and he shakes your hand for a long, long time. So listen, listen to this clip. What happened this morning is an outrage. Yeah. Gone crazy. He's declared war on his own people. I remind you, Miss Barrett, that Mr. Clark was nice enough to come to this emergency meeting after a very trying day. That's what he gets paid for. I think we owe him a chance to respond. They say one bad apple spoils a bunch. Well, what about 300? Rotten to the core. Now, you're right, Mrs. Barrett. This is a war. It's a war to save 2,700 other students. Most of whom don't have the basic skills to pass a state exam. Now, if you want to help us, fine. Sit down with your kids and make them study at night. Don't make the families off welfare. Give our children some pride. Let them get their priorities straight. When Dr. Napier came to me, offering this job, I saw the lightning flash. I heard the thunder roll. Amen. I felt breakers crashing, swamping my soul. We are not in church, Mr. Clark. I fell down on my knees. And I cried, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And the Lord said, Joe, you're no earthly good at all unless you take this opportunity and do whatever you have to. And he didn't say, Joe, be polite. Do whatever you have to to transform and transmogrify this school into a special place where the hearts and souls and minds of the young can rise. And I gave my word to God. And that's why I threw those bastards out. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, I, I just love that speech. I love that speech. Of course, of course, he came in one school term and transformed the whole school in one school term, as many other television movies do. You know, they take one school term and transform the whole school. But I, I love his speech. I just always enjoy hearing that. I just want to play a little bit of that for you. But my, I want to predicate it off of the question. What circumstances creates the students we serve? Is it the neighborhood they come from, uh, their home life, or changes in the system itself? And has a new type of student emerged on the scene? I'm going to start with you, uh, Ms. Massey Brown. I would have to say a little bit of all. And we really are having a new type of student being created. And these kids have great imaginations. They have great uh, voice that want to be heard. They bring a lot of their homes into the schools, and it's, uh, especially their neighborhoods. 
If they want to be accepted in their neighborhoods, you're going to see that behavior come. So they have a lot. These students have a lot to bring to the table when they come because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, it was just a family, and we went into the schools. But now they have all of this a part of their lives. And so, yes, it's a bit of a, it's a lot of the system has changed. We are raising expectations. Some can't reach it. Some reach it. But mm-hmm. it's just we really sit down and put this whole picture together if we're going to have successful students. And I always call my students mm-hmm. the Harvard, Yale, the Brown, the, the Oxford students. And, in, and we know we're reaching for the best, even though we have the Hampton Institute, the Howard. But we want them to reach for the highest and achieve the highest. All right, I got you, uh, Miss uh, Miss Burton Johnson. Uh-huh. You, could you answer that question for me? Uh, do you, you feel it's a new new type of student? Oh yes, um, you know, even just from the time that I started, my first year teaching was ninety nine. Um, from ninety nine to now, we you have a different child, and you have to think about how many advances we've made just in technology in that time. You know, social media wasn't what it was then. You didn't have sort of this self-obsessed culture, not to Mm -hmm. the extent that we have now. Um, You didn't have as much of this constant source of entertainment and the attention spans being what they are. Competing for their attention. Oh, yeah. They're so used and conditioned to being entertained, and they're so conditioned mm-hmm. to that instant gratification that I think in mm-hmm. a lot of ways is is done some damage. So while I think while today's child has access to more than uh, that we definitely had as as um, kids in school, but in a lot of ways it's hindered them. Um, just seeing how they write now, how they write in text language, and how they expect. Mm-hmm. It's success and everything just to come quickly and just seeing how hard it is for them to do any type critical deep thinking because they're so used to just, you know, hitting Google and Google tells mm-hmm. you what to think. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so we have to uh, change the way we approach education because this is not the same child from 10 years ago. This is not the same child from 20 years ago. So as the students evolve, we have to evolve. Um, as educators as well. Mm-hmm. I, I really like how you put that about we our research used to consist of going to the library and looking through oh, reference yeah. numbers and coming uh, out books and yeah, exciting Britannia. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Uh, and you had to know how to do oh, that. You don't have to mm-hmm. know how to do that now. Just search engine. Right, Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Coleman. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I definitely think that the home life and environment can have a huge impact as far as their priorities and their motivation because a lot of times their parents, you know, they, you know, back in the day your parents were looking forward to you having an A or a high B, a low B might get you a, a spanking. <laughs> but yep, nowadays yeah. it's like parents, parents are okay with their child being mediocre. It's not mm-hmm. a expectation as before, and that's a huge problem because priorities mm-hmm. and motivation are in the wrong spot. And, you know, most of the time mm-hmm. their efforts, not all children, but some of the children's efforts can be affected if the people that are closest to them care. 
Because um, okay. like I said, you know, some parents are not all that concerned with education, whereas some are. Um, okay. But, uh, yes, you had a question? No, 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 no. I was waiting for you to finish that thought. That was, uh, I, you said something oh. in the beginning about your mama used to spank you. Did you say that? You said your yeah. mama spanked you? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I had, I had that uh, even with a hobby. We're like, we're like okay, where's oh, that? Hey, what, what happened here? Oh, we need to set a conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't. They didn't play that. No, 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 no. Okay. Look, she's listening. She knows. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> but I mean, you know, system changes also affect it too because teachers can get frustrated, which of course causes frustration with parents and students because you know all they want to know is just you know what is expected of me, and you know teachers get frustrated because it's so much riding on one score that, you know, you just feel like, you know, I just got to get it in, I just got to get it in, and that causes the student to just, you know, just get overwhelmed, just lash out, I'm like, okay, I can't, I, I can't take this anymore, and so, we, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. all of that plays a role in the new student. Well, I'm glad you brought up, I'm glad you brought up teacher frustration. Did, uh, somebody about to say something? I was just agreeing with what uh-huh. Ms. Colbert was saying. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm glad she brought up teacher frustration because my next question, I, I saw a, a literary study. I saw a literature study on newly graduated teachers' experiences of beginning to teach. It's an eight-year-old study, and it shows that the conditions in schools are often challenging for new teachers and that many leave the profession after only a few years. The, the kinds of challenges new teachers face include dealing with classroom management issues, curriculum planning, and implementation, conducting assessments, and workload issues, and even some administration conflicts. Uh, and some have suggested that mentoring is the answer. Uh, Daphne, do you feel like that's uh, reasonable? Mentor and mentee programs are awesome. I, I do not um, downplay that because it is very helpful when coming in so you can get just a little outlook on what to expect, but it's not the whole complete answer because you can you can have that program when when it comes to your curriculum planning or trying to get your organizational skills correctly or trying to figure out how to do your assessments but the classroom management piece is primarily going to be through experience because nobody can tell you how to deal with your students because everybody mm-hmm. has different students I mean you can't you can give advice but you know, there are just some things that just come through experience. And when it comes to administration clashes, um, that that would be that would be a problem that you would have to address to your administrator. You don't want to go into an environment where you feel like you can't speak to your boss. You should always be comfortable going to them. It should never be a clashing moment. And if it is, then as soon as soon as you have that inkling of a thought, that's when you should go and say, hey, I feel like we do need to sit down. But as a new teacher um, or an, a veteran, um, mm-hmm. having having that kind of feeling or feeling like you're clashing with your administration is a problem because that's, that's, that's your boss. That's, yeah, that's cause, who cause you're we, under. That's, that's right, because we know all principals are approachable and won't have the best interest of the teacher at heart, right? Right. Never mind, I don't answer that. Because you're working together. You're working together. It's not 
it's not just the administrator, it's not just the teacher. Mm-hmm. You're working together. Mm-hmm. So if you can't work together, you know that that's that's a problem. It's a thin line mm-hmm. there. You gotta be careful mm-hmm. with that. I feel I feel Miss Master Brown and uh, Miss Burton chomping at the bit for this aunt, for that to say something. <laughs> but just, just just hold just hold on, right? Well, hold I'm on for one minute. I'm playing the safe. I'm playing the safe. We're gonna take we're gonna take this last break, and when we come back, we're gonna round up the program and uh, let y'all get y'all point with this last one here. All right, so y'all hold on, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Minister Lloyd Bell Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio. God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt shows that cater to the needs and wants of our growing listener base. Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected. Join us here every week where together, through God, we win. All right, I'm Apostle John L. Solomon, and you're tuned in to Strength from the Lion's Den. We're powered by We Inspire Network Radio. I'm partnering with some people that want us to win. So if anybody looking to advertise or to sponsor my radio program, you just call my producers or, you know, hit me up and let me know so that we can go out national. Okay, listen, today in the Lion's Den, I have special guest Ms. Daphne Coleman. Ms. Shana Johnson-Burton, and Ms. Burrow Massey-Brown, and we're talking about public education. Uh, we left off, we were talking, uh, I guess the gist of that question is about new teacher frustration, but we can, I guess we can carry it over into all teachers' frustration. Uh, Ms. Burton, you want to comment on that? Well, I have a lot of friends who are, who are um, first-year teachers, and I'm a I have the um, teacher support specialist endorsement. So I've been a mentor teacher for um, about eight or nine years now. So that is a, a issue that I see firsthand. And college does not adequately prepare you for that day-to-day struggle in the classroom. And that is, you know, that goes back to that statistic you mentioned. Most, I mean, half of all teachers quit in the first five years. Because it can get overwhelming. A lot of times, new teachers are just kind of pushed out there, and they're like, "Okay, here's a book, go teach," and you're out there by yourself. And I do remember, don't probably my saving grace for me as a first year teacher was that my sister was a teacher and my mother was a principal, so I had that support, and they were able to tell me and, and kind of show me the ropes. But if I did not have that, there's no way I would have survived those first few years. And so the average teacher does not have that. And I don't think enough is done to to nurture and support those teachers just based off of, you know, the feedback I've gotten this year from all of my friends who this is their first year. They're coming out of the college setting or they've changed careers, and this is their first year in public school and they are really having a hard time right now. And on top of that, I teach teaching as a profession for students. Even though these are high school students, they get college credit for the class, and these are students who all want to be teachers. 
And okay. even at this, at the age of, you know, 16, 17, they can already see the struggle of being teachers. And we've been doing tours at my school to recruit mm-hmm. students. And it's amazing how many students don't want to be teachers just because even, you know, from the, yeah. from the student standpoint, they see how hard it is and they see what teachers go through. And they don't, you know, they don't want to deal with it, and it's, which right. is a sad state because we need teachers um, desperately. Mm-hmm. But if the teachers don't start getting the support that they need, I'm not even going to talk about the money, just the support from administration no, no. and from the um, Board of Education, it, it's, it's going to be dire. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to become a principal in the next several years, aren't you? Oh, look at you speaking that into existence. I don't, I don't know. We, you know, we're going to see how this book thing work out first. Okay. But, All right. You know, we, we'll okay. see. We're we'll going to put a we'll see on that. We're going to well, go amen. by the line. Well, uh, yeah. well, yeah, yes, Lord. <laughs> Ms. Master Brown, you want to tackle that last question? We talked talking about teacher frustration, new teacher's frustration. Yes, and I we have the best resource our retired teachers. It would be amazing if we could find some retired teachers that were coming wow. to their teachers and just be with them up to the end from a progress report. I mean, you come out of college, you got a class of 30 kids sitting there with different personalities. You have no idea. And the book says when you ask Johnny to stop talking and sit down, Johnny's going to stop talking and sit down, but that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Get those veteran teachers who have retired and come in just giving assistance and how to get the classroom set up and have them looking at a different point of view, of talking to them. I think our first year teachers would be less frustrated. Where I am in Virginia at my school at the last couple of years, we've had teachers that left within four weeks after school started. Wow, yeah. Because they had they were put into this. that we can use if it's nothing more than giving them a gift card, buying them lunch to show your appreciation. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of teachers would love to come back and give assistance, but nobody has ever offered that. Offered that for them. Okay. So, so basically what, we, what what's being said is that teachers need uh, more support from is, – is that is that what I'm hearing? Teachers need more support? Especially about first-year yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and John, I would even go so far, uh, when I started teaching at Prince uh, Georgia Tech, they didn't even let me, and I had 16 years of teaching experience, but they paired mm-hmm. me with a teacher for the first month or so just to get my bearings and to see how they do things and mm-hmm. to get used to the school. And I think even if teachers could have that, where you're paired with, with a veteran teacher, and you're not mm-hmm. just thrown out there the first day of school and just kind of left to sink or swim on your own. Even something right. like that would would be a tremendous help. We have a okay. yes, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Miss Master Brown. We have an eight day count here in Virginia, and that is frustration because we're taking attendance. 
You got to know how to, if the child is here, you have to enroll the child. If the child comes one day, and the, the new teacher is looking at it and what, what? Mm-hmm. It's like compare with someone to actually not me on my hall and you on your hall in the classroom with you. Just to hold your hands somewhat through to let you know that first day to that eighth day, it is a big deal here in Virginia with the eight day mm-hmm. count. And you, you got to have the lunch, the lunch numbers, the lockers. You got to know mm-hmm. where the kids supposed to be going. And this is a first year teacher, and even with my thirty three years of teaching, it can become frustrating. Wow, that's amazing. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? We we got about eight minutes left. So if y'all could take about, if you could take about two minutes of peace, I, I know there may be. Uh, some teachers listening, some educators listening, because I know my role, my path to this thing was a little different. I started as a Parks and Rec supervisor, and then I became a, a group home supervisor, and I decided I wanted to work with discipline kids and teach in an, uh, a behavior school, an alternative school. Uh, can you imagine trying to teach alternative kids who already don't want to be there? You, you, you spend more time chasing behaviors. So, oh, yeah. but. And so there's some frustrated teachers out here. I, you, I see them every day and talk with them. So wh- I want to know, what would you say, if you could just speak directly to uh, this teacher, whether you're in an advisory role or maybe professional or professional or even friend to friend to encourage this new teacher or just a teacher who find themselves struggling at this point, hoping that spring break will hurry up and come, you know, or <laughs> something will just break through for them. I, I, I'm going to start with you, uh, uh, Daphne Coleman. Well, I can say, regardless of whether you're frustrated or not, we're all waiting for spring break. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I would just say, <laughs> I would just say to just stop, exhale, and remember your sole purpose of why you entered education. You always have to stop and think about why is it that you enter education. If you can answer that question without being hesitant, being passionate, and feeling warmth inside of your heart, you know that you know that this is the job for you. You have to remember that you got the power to change lives, regardless of students' backgrounds, their race, their gender, gender, etc. You have the power to change their lives because you are impacting the future generation. You are responsible for making sure that we have people to take care of us when we get older. You know, you have you have the power to make such a huge impact in a student's life. So remember your role and remember your passion and remember that you are strong because you're in it. And you always have to remember can't stop, won't stop. Mm, can't that's stop, won't stop. Okay. Uh, can't Ms. stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. That that's okay. That's southern. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. Miss Shannon Johnson Burton. Huh? It's not southern. <laughs> hey, I, I know. I, wait a minute. Wait. I hate to get off. off <laughs> you just beating me up. You beating me up here. Hey, when somebody tell me got the tow mighty dog, I said, wait a minute. I must be in the south. Of you. <laughs> Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna claim. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give okay. you that one. That is stuff. Okay. okay, back back on script. Uh, okay, go go ahead. Go ahead, Shana. Go ahead. Speak to that teacher. Okay. Um, my advice would be one to to realize that 
you are not alone. You're not by yourself. You are not the only person to feel like this. You are not a failure because you're having a hard time. See, any teacher has had that experience of of the first, you know, really probably the first three years, but especially that first year being tough. And just to know that they are, don't have to have all the answers and, and to not be afraid to ask for help and not be afraid to speak up for yourself. A lot of times new teachers don't want to rock the boat, don't want to report that they're not getting help. But um, for the most part, every new teacher is assigned a mentor teacher, and that person is getting paid to help you whether they help you or not. So, you know, don't I would definitely would not let that person just get a check on me and they are not mm-hmm. helping so reach out to those mentor teachers. Make that mentor teacher that you were assigned to either actually earn that money. Uh, reach right. out to veteran teachers and just you know just know that in the end you are like kind of like what Daphne said. What you are doing is is life changing work. I mean, as we are as we've been talking this whole time, I'm over here creating party favors for one of my students for her upcoming wedding. And we've mm-hmm. been okay. in contact. We've stayed in contact for the past 15 years. And wow. out here, I literally making her stuff for her bank for her wedding shower. And so, wow. just to yeah. Yeah, just to be able to have that type connection and lifelong impact, and they and they once they get grown, y'all, you know, okay. you can be friends yeah. with them. You don't I, have I got, to know them anymore. All right, wonderful. Let me go to Miss Master Brown to give you these last few minutes. I would tell the new teacher not to take it personal. You're going to plant the seed. That's your knowledge that you have on your subject. Somebody else is going to water it. You're not going to see the whole child develop. And then at the end, somebody's going to give it the increase. So we, we would love to plant it. We would love to water it. We would like to give it the increase, but we got to take it at steps. So take what you can do, get what you can get out of it, but don't take it personal if they come back on an attack. They don't know how to come back and say, so they always come back on the attack. But your job is to plant that seed. Next year, somebody else is going to water it. And then the next year, on final, somebody's going to give it the increase. Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I wish I wish either one of you all would have been my teachers when I was in school. I would have been a doctor or a lawyer somewhere. Come on, let's hear it for our teachers here tonight. <laughs> 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 I want to thank you for staying with us tonight in the Lions Den. We, we've had uh, Miss Daphne Coleman, uh, Miss Shana Johnson Burton, and Miss Burl Massey Brown. You are truly a blessing. God bless you and all that you do. And we just keep praying for you and believing God for you. To those teachers that are listening, you, you've heard some encouraging words tonight. I hope I hope you've uh, gotten stronger. Hope you heard some things that would open up the discussions for you to do more and to do uh, whatever you need to do to. Uh, Push yourself in this field of education because you are necessary and we need you. To all my guests inside the Strength from the Lions Den, we're powered by We Inspire Network Radio. Listen, join me next week where I got some fighters, some survivors of uh, lupus, and they're going to be talking about living with pain, but living with victory. So I want you here. Tune in. Guess what I'm getting ready to do, listeners? I'm getting ready to get ready for a cruise. So you, you, I'm going to have a good time for you. So you just sit back and relax. And anytime you feel like you, you're going through some things, just breathe and say, Apostle Solomon is enjoying himself for me. Okay? I'm with you. I thank you for listening. I will see you next week inside of 
the lion's den, but you too have strength. 